My name is Ryan Johnson. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at Cornerstone. We're going to be looking today at Ephesians 2, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there, or it'll also be up on the screen. I'm going to go ahead and read our passage for us. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. Lord God, thank you so much that you do speak to us through your word. Thank you that you reveal who you are and how to have relationship with you. Lord, thank you that you reveal Jesus Christ and what he did so that we can be in relationship with you now and forever. Lord, it's an awesome song we've just heard. I pray that um, through this sermon that you would turn all of our eyes upon Jesus, that we would see his glory and remember what he has done for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I was growing up, my family was basically communist. What I mean is, uh, every, so I had to work all summer, every summer. I had to work as many hours as I could and make as much money as I could. And then every time I got a paycheck, I had to sign the back and hand it to my dad. But it was a very good deal, and I knew it was a good deal, because his commitment was, if I would do that, he would pay for my college. He said, go wherever you want. Um, I chose Purdue University in Indiana. He said, I will pay for your tuition, I will pay for your room and board, I will pay for your books, and I'll even give you $100 stipend every month to do whatever you want with. And so, it was communist, but I was was okay with it. It was a a good deal. I know... I know that I am a very blessed man that I was able to graduate from college without debt. For the first three years of college, I lived in the dorms. Um, But in the fourth year of college, I decided that, uh, well, my friends and I decided it would be great to move off campus into an apartment. Um, And so I did some math. And I realized that, according to my math, back in, you know, it was, I'm old, but... um, when I do, <laughs> I paused, I paused. <laughs> um, when I do my math, I figured that my dad was, was spending about $700 a month for my room and board. And think, you know, thinking I can eat uh, mac and cheese and ramen and frozen pizzas, I figured with rent and utilities and um, cheap food that I could get by on $550 a month. And so I asked him, if he would be willing to continue giving me $700 every month um, so that I could pocket the difference. And he did not like that. (laughs) He said, what are you trying to do? And I realized, um, that's true, what was I trying to do? I, I did not see that my dad was sacrificing to pay for my college. Actually, I was not thinking about my dad at all. I was thinking about me. 
I was thinking, how can I get more for myself? How can I get more out of my dad? I was not seeing everything my dad was doing for me. And I think that is the case with us and God. We do not see everything that he is doing for us. We live in an amazing, beautiful, intricate universe. And um, so frequently, we don't even see it. Even if life has been difficult for you, there have been many blessings along the way. Um, You are alive. uh, You have health. You have family. You have friends. uh, So many things. Food, fun, vacations. God has been so good to you. The Bible even says that the God of the universe loves you and desires a relationship with you forever and was willing to give his own son so that he could have it. God has done so much for us, but it's so easy not to see it. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know how much God has done for you, but it is really easy to forget it. The king of the universe has called you into his eternal kingdom, but I think that most of us probably spend more time and attention on our own little kingdoms than we do on God's kingdom. We are really excited about our careers, our finances, our homes, our families, our stuff, our vacations, Um, and I think it shows that we're forgetting what God has done for us. The God of the universe loved us enough to die for us, but we forget and we don't show the same love to others. We're critical of people. We think angry thoughts about people. We're impatient and irritable with people, especially with our own family members. God has been so generous to us, but we forget, and we become discontent thinking of the few things that he's not yet done for us that we would like for him to do. We we become anxious and worried, thinking it's all up to us. God has done so much for us, but we forget. And so our passage for today has a very simple solution. It is to remember (laughs) God tells us we need to remember everything he has done for us. He says it twice in this passage. Therefore, remember. And then again in verse 12, remember. We need to remember everything God has done for us. We need to remember everything that God has done for us because God has united us to Christ. Verse 12 says, At one time, we were separated from Christ, but now, if you've trusted in Christ, you are in Christ Jesus. So, sometimes, little words make a really big difference. And here's what I mean. I was standing on a pier with Marcelina, now Johnson, uh, at, you know, the Baltimore Harbor, and I got down on one knee, and I said just a few little words. And it made a big difference. And this also made a big difference. (laughs) This also made a big difference. And this? (laughs) And this. Little words can make a really big difference. And that's the words in Christ are just two little words, but they make an enormous difference. Um, So... Looking at Ephesians 1, we see all through here these little words repeated over and over again. And every time we see them, what it's telling us is you are united to Christ. 
God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. God chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. In him, we have redemption through his blood. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Every time the Bible uses these words, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in him, in the beloved, the Bible is teaching you about your union with Christ. So I really like union with Christ, and it's really important. So we're going to spend a few more minutes on it. The Bible teaches us that our union with Christ was decided eternally by God the Father. Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So if you are trusting in Christ today, that means several things for you. It means that before God created anything, he knew that he was going to create you. He knew that you were going to be a sinner, and he had already decided to save you. Before God created anything, he already thought of you as united to Christ. The plan had already been determined for Christ to come, to take on himself what you deserve for your sins, and to live the righteous life that you haven't lived. Our union with Christ was decided eternally before, by, by the Father before God created anything. If you're in Christ today, it's because before God created anything, he already thought of you as united to Christ. Then, our union with Christ was enacted objectively by God the Son. The plan had been set from before the foundation of the world, but Jesus still had to come and do it. Jesus came as our representative. So in our society today, we have something called power of attorney. So someday, when we're older and we're no longer able to make our own financial decisions, we might assign power of attorney to another person who will then have the ability to make our financial decisions for us. So I'm, I'm 34. I plan to live for a very long time. And so someday, when I'm about 100 or so, I might assign power of attorney to my son, Jojo, who will be, you know, 66 years old at the time. And if I do that, then he will have all authority to act on my behalf. Um, he will have the ability to withdraw money from my checking account in order to pay my bills. He will have the ability to write checks on my behalf out of my account. And it will be as if I have done it. Um, he will have the ability to decide what happens to my house, my cars, any investments I might have. Um, and, and it will all be on my behalf, as my representative, as if I was doing it. And that is what it means that Jesus is our representative. He comes as our representative, acting on our behalf. Every, because of our union with him, everything that he did during his life, death, resurrection, ascension, all of it is on our behalf, as if we are doing it. Jesus lived a righteous life on our behalf. Hebrews 7.22 says that Jesus is the guarantor of the covenant. So a guarantor of a covenant is like a co-signer on a loan. Someday, my son Jojo might want to buy a car, and he might not have any credit, and so he might come to me and say, Dad, would you please co-sign this loan for me so that I can buy a car? And I'll say, no problem, son. I love you. I would love to co-sign your loan. And then maybe he will not have enough money to make his payments. Maybe he'll stop making his payments. And then the bank will come to me and they'll say, hey, you co-signed the loan. Make good on what you have said. That is what it means that Jesus is the guarantor of the covenant. God knew that we were not going to 
make the payments. He knew that we were not going to live the righteous life that he has required. And so Jesus came as the guarantor to do what we haven't done, to pay the debt. Jesus lived the perfectly righteous life that God requires on our behalf, as our representative, as if we were doing it. Jesus paid for sin on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sakes he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus is perfectly righteous. He didn't have any sin of his own. But as our representative, on our behalf, at the cross, this was the plan. God the Father treated him, saw him as if he was guilty of all of the sins of all of God's people from all of time, and then poured out on him what we all deserve for our sins. It's as if we've paid it. He paid it in our place. Jesus died on our behalf. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. Jesus was our representative, so his death was our death. Jesus rose from the dead on our behalf, ascended into heaven on our behalf, and sat down at the right hand of God on our behalf. Walt talked about these verses last week. He made us alive together with Christ, raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So how do you know that death is not the end for you? The answer is that your representative defeated death, rose from the dead, and so it's certain that you will too. How do you know that you will spend eternity in relationship with God? Because your representative is already there. And so it is certain that you will follow. If you, were trust, if you are trusting in Christ today, it is because before God created anything, he already saw you as united to Christ. And then 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and actually enacted the plan. Then, during your lifetime, your union with Christ was applied subjectively by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.5 said, When we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. So there was a, I I became a Christian at 18. So there was a time in my life when I was dead to God, not interested, didn't believe in him, didn't trust him, didn't obey him. And then there was a moment when I came to life spiritually. What happened? God united me to Christ. And he did it through the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So this, this sermon could get real long, and it could be real fun for me, but maybe not for all of you. Uh, so here's the, the quick summary version. I think this is basically what happens. Apart from dead, oh, I'm sorry, apart from Christ, we are dead towards God. Then the Holy Spirit unites us to Christ, and it's like plugging us into an electrical outlet, except the electrical outlet is Jesus. All of a sudden, his spiritual life floods us. We come alive spiritually. All of a sudden, we're real interested in Jesus. We come to him in faith. We're united to him forever. God continues to work in us to grow us over time into the people he wants us to be. He keeps us forever. We're in relationship with him forever. I think that's what happens. We're, we're in union with Christ. If we're trusting in Christ today, it's because, again, God decided before he created anything, he thought of you in union with Christ. Then Christ came as your representative and enacted the plan. And then in your life, at some point, God subjectively applied your union with Christ to you by the Holy Spirit. He united you to Christ. So God has done an awesome thing for us. 
If our faith is in Christ, we are united to Christ now and forever. And what this passage says we need to do is remember. We need to remember everything God has done for us. We need to remember that Christ has paid for all of our sins and that we are forgiven. If we remember that, we'll never feel guilty or dirty or ashamed of anything that ever happened in the past. We need to remember that we are loved and accepted by the God of the universe. He is the only one that ultimately matters. And he loves us, so we don't need to be anxious and afraid of what other people might think of us. We don't need to perform um, to try to impress other people. We can use our time to serve God and serve people. We're free from all that. We need to remember that God was able to save us, and so we need to have hope um, for our non-believing friends and uh, family members. God was able to save us. He can save them too. We need to remember that Christ conquered death. And so if we're suffering or have some illness, Christ is with us through it all, and our our representative has already conquered death on our behalf. If we die, when we die, we'll go immediately to be with him. We need to remember everything that God has done for us. In this sermon, I bit off a little more than I could chew. So these are the next three, if you're following along. And then on the next page, there are some verses you could look up and some questions you could think about. Uh, For example, you could do it in a community group. Um, I know the guy who's in charge of community groups, and he could uh, get you in one if you are interested in that. We also need to remember everything God has done for us because God has rescued us from so much. In verse 12... Paul reminded the Ephesians that they were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Israel was the people descended from Abraham. Way back in Genesis, God had chosen Abraham and his descendants to be his chosen people, the people of God. He had committed himself to be their God, to teach them his ways. After Christ came, the true spiritual Israel are the people who trust in the Messiah, promised by the Old Testament, people who trust in Jesus Christ. And so it is true that once, before we came to Christ, we were outside of the people of God and therefore did not have relationship with God. And now that we have placed our faith in Christ, if, if we have, then we are in relationship with that God because we are part of the people of God. In verse 12, Paul says that we were once strangers to the covenants of promise. So when I think about covenant, my mind immediately goes to marriage. Marriage is a covenantal relationship. I married Marcelina. We married each other because we love each other. But uh, when we got married, we um, made a commitment to go on loving each other till death do us part. That is what a covenantal relationship is. It is, a, it is a relationship of love, but it is also a committed relationship. When this uh, verse, verse 12, talks about God's promise, it's talking about the promise the promise that keeps getting repeated in all of Scripture over and over again. For example, Revelation 21.3. He will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. By covenants, it means that God keeps repeating this promise. He keeps renewing it with multiple people. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David. And if we have trusted in Christ, then we 
are in that covenantal relationship. We have a relationship of love and commitment with the God of the universe. Once we were hopeless, but now we have hope. In verse 12, Paul said that before we had trusted in Christ, we had no hope. And the reason it says that is because there's, there's no middle ground. There is, you're either in the people of God or you're not in the people of God. You are either in the covenant with God or you are not in the covenant with God. The Bible teaches us that God is the creator and his creations have rebelled against him. The Bible teaches us that God is the king of the universe and his subjects have committed treason. The Bible teaches us that God is the righteous judge of the universe and his people have broken his laws. We have sinned against an infinite God by an infinite amount and so we deserve an infinite punishment. Matthew 25, 46 describes hell as eternal punishment because on our own we would never finish paying off what we owe God, our debt of sin. Jesus is our only hope. The infinite Son of God died on the cross and it was enough to pay an infinite debt. We need to trust that Jesus Christ has reconciled us to God. If we're not Again, there's no middle ground. If we're not trusting in Christ, we're not in that relationship with God. If we are trusting Christ, we're part of the people of God. We're, we're in relationship with that God. We're part of the covenant. Verse 13 says that once we were far from God, but now we have been brought near. Verse 12 <clears throat> says that once we were without God, but now we are in relationship with God. All of these phrases are really kind of saying the same thing. Trust in Christ, you have God. Don't trust in Christ, you don't have a relationship with God. God has rescued us from so much. And so we need to, we need to remember what God has rescued us from. For me, it's kind of obvious. When, you know, I became a Christian at 18, and so as I think back to my life without Christ, some things stand out to me. I immediately think of the fact that life was so meaningless. I, was, I, was an, I considered myself an atheist when I was a teenager. And so I thought, we're just an accident. If there's no God, we're just an accident. Um, nothing I do matters because death is the end. Sooner or later, the whole universe will die, and nothing anyone does will matter. Life is so meaningless. I felt really lonely, even though I had a loving family and good friends, because... Um, if there were no God, then no one knows me all the way. And if I'm alone, I'm truly alone. Um, it also stands out to me that I had really bad character. I had a conscience like anyone else, but I thought, hey, if you can get away with stuff, all the better. Um, I was a jerk to a lot of people. And so I am really happy that God has rescued me from so much. Um, I know now that life does have meaning. Uh, relationship with God, knowing God, glorifying God, loving and serving God, loving and serving other people. Um, I know now that I'm not alone. Uh, even if I'm alone, I'm not alone. And there's someone who knows everything about me and still loves me enough to die for me. Um, I still have bad character sometimes. But uh, I'm attracted to good character now. 
I like it a lot. And my Savior, who is in union with me, is committed to growing good character inside of me. And so, anyways, I see that I was rescued from a whole lot by God. And so my question is, and this passage is saying, um, what have you been rescued from? What has God rescued you from? Remember, remember how good God has been to you. God has done so much for us. And if we think about it, if we remember it, it will make a big difference in our lives. God has rescued us from sin. If we remember that, we won't want to easily give in to sin. We'll want to fight sin. We've been rescued from it. Um, We'll want to go to war on our sins. God has rescued us from a meaningless life. If we remember that, we won't want to throw our lives away on things like TV or games or whatever it is you like to throw your life away on. We'll want to use our time to love and serve God. God has rescued us from hell, and he's rescued us into relationship with him. If we remember that, if we remember that's a relationship that's going to last forever, we'll want to invest in it. And if we know that other people don't know Christ, we'll want to share Christ with them. God has done so much for us, we just need to remember. And we need to remember what it cost him. On October 11th of last year, a six-story building collapsed in China. It's a sad story. 22 people died in the collapse. And when the rescuers started digging through the rubble, uh, they came upon something which is uh, tragic but amazing. They, they lifted a, a really heavy cement pillar, and they found a man, a dead man. Um, and he was kneeled down and bent over something, And when they moved him out of the way, they found his three-year-old daughter alive 12 hours after the collapse. When the building started to come down, he put his body between her and death. And that is what Jesus has done for us. Our sins were going to crush us, and he protected us at the cost of his own life. We need to remember, we need to remember everything God has done for us. I'll go ahead and close this in prayer. God, thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you for your grace to forgive people like us, to accept us in relationship with you forever. Thank you for the incredible truth of union with Christ. Thank you that you thought of us already in union with Christ before you created anything. Then you came and enacted the plan. And in our lifetimes, you applied it to us. Lord, if there's anyone here who has not yet trusted in you, please apply it to them today. Bring them to life spiritually so they'll see their need for you and come to you in faith. And Lord, um, please turn our eyes upon Jesus. Help us remember. Don't let us go through life just going day by day, knocking things off the list. Help us remember everything you've done for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.